Are we started? <laughs> All right, so, um, so my name is Rami, and I'm not this, uh, I don't think I'm an, ever going to be in a position where I give advice that's life-changing, but I can summarize my experience with life. you really need to know where you're going. And then you either get lucky and you'll get a linear path that takes you there, or you won't and you have to zigzag your way through it. I'm zigzagging, but I'm getting there. And when I say linear path, obviously there's always ups and downs, even if you stay with the same organization for a very long time, right? But it's a linear path. You're in the same place, you're in your comfort zone, you're progressing. You get there, there's a support system. It's different from when you have to shift a company to get different skills and then shift an industry and then be asked to relocate and then say, ah, then you have to move. So when you have to recalculate all the time, and I'm a father, I have kids, they're 11. So doing those calculations and saying, it's my passion, I want to follow my passion. You know, there's this other voice that says, you also have to pay your bills, you know? Um, so it becomes a dichotomy of sort of balancing everything and really deciding what you want to put mental effort on and what you don't. I have always been very passionate about what I do. Like, I love everything I do like it was my own. At some point in time, I'm also a dreamer. I'm a big picture guy. Like when I'm working with people, I don't think three weeks ahead. I know what's happening three weeks ahead. I think, I think six months ahead. I think five years ahead. So at some points in time, it worked for my benefit, and many times it didn't. But I get so passionate and caught up. And when you do that, the people around you, if they're not at the same level, you become either the strange guy or the stupid guy. Right? What is he talking about? And then five years later, when things start happening, you go back and say, told you. Um, so at some point in time, you get to a level where you need to start balancing your priorities. Right? So where am I going with all of this? Um, at the end of the day, I'm an employee. Um, how am I going to use this? Where do I want to go? How am I going to start balancing my financials? How am I going to start building my financial states and my financial, my health, 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 healthy wealth or whatever they call it, in addition to my professional career? How am I going to stop working 15 day, hours a day? How am I going to you know, start paying attention to my kids who are growing up now, who are no longer... It's no longer enough for them to stay at home. Who want to do sports? Who want to do gymnastics? Who want to ride horses? Who want to, you know, do all this stuff? And then my wife is also a career woman. Like she's the publisher of Elle magazine. She's also busy. She's traveling. She's, uh, you know, she's working day and night. Like how do you then build this healthy environment? And you start realizing there's so many things to juggle. And at that point, you start saying, all right, then there's my health. Then there's my, you know. And you realize that there's so many things to juggle and all you've been focused on is when am I going to get paid? Where am I going to get my promotion? Is this project done? Is the client happy? Is the boss happy? Um, and you realize how much there is. And you only, it only kicks you in when the weight becomes too heavy and you have to lift your head up and look around and say, wait, hold on. 
let's fix one piece at a time. And it's a journey. You have to build mindset. You have to build routine. You have to build discipline. Um, you have to learn how to let go of stuff. You have to learn how to say no. Um, and you need to get brave on really making change something normal. Like moving on to a different job or looking out for something else or taking a risk with something that's coming. Or, um, you know, even in the company, a lot of people in companies don't fear saying no because other people, you don't know what they're going to say about you. You're going to build politics. But sometimes you just need to, to learn how to balance things. And as you build that, and as you work, I started listening to books. I started listening to like, so I don't read books. I listen to them. Uh, but I started listening to like four books a month. I'd finish a book every single week. Uh, I started with leadership books, then mindset books. Now I'm in finance books. And, um, and eventually, you get different perspectives of life. And people underestimate the power of books. Because books are literally a summary of someone's experience. Like, it's a shortcut for you to avoid many things. So whenever there's a topic, I choose three, four books just to get a couple of perspectives. And then, you know, I build my own. Um, but there are some amazing books out there that are life-changing. The one that really changed a lot of things for me is called Dichotomy of Leadership. I forgot the name of the author. Um, but that book was written by a Marine who then, after coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq, became a leadership consultant for companies. And he gives a lot of examples about the role of the leader and the role of the pack, and when to delegate, and when to build succession plans, and when to go in with them, and when to really stand far. Because he gave an example once they were raiding somewhere, and he was the only guy who didn't have the goggles in, and he had it gone up. So he was vulnerable to anything that could come in, while all the teams were focused with their goggles on. And his thing is, when everybody's working on small picture and tasks, somebody needs to be looking at big picture, or everybody's doomed. And it changes perspective on the role of what you do as a person, as a player in the team. What's your role? What value are you bringing to the team? Um, so that, that was one. Um, there was a couple of other books, uh, like The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. It's a beautiful book. Um, the 5 a.m. club as well. The 5 a.m. club got me to wake up to relook at myself, my health, my fitness, my routines. I knew that night routines were never going to happen. So we got a dog at some point in time. So he forced me to wake up every day at 6. So now I wake up at 6, and I have a morning routine from 6 to 10. Um, so I don't start at 5. I'm an hour late. Uh, but, you know, eventually it builds up. And with time, that's why I said 6 months. With time, you start building new things. You start picking up the phone and calling your sister and for a Zoom call to say hello for no reason while you're eating for, for 10 minutes. You start checking out on your friend for no reason, not because you want to plan something. And those little things, they give you those little bites of joy. And eventually, just everything adds up. Um, and then when bigger things come, like the project that's coming my way, I'm more ready for it mentally. If it would have come to me a year ago, it would have been really, really tough. But I feel now, like after... Everything is coming together. And you have to always believe that it's always going to be okay. But sometimes you have to push through. I've, I've taken some risks in my life. I've taken some steps back that I don't regret because they only... And the, the, the idea of taking a step back to take a leap forward is, is real. I'm living it right now. 
I took like 10, 10 steps back and I took a big leap now. And I'm happy. Unfortunately, the concept of mentorship is not very popular here. Um, but we're seeing it build up. So the act of people finding mentorship, mentors is very, very important. Super important. And people underestimate it. Like before I took my decision, I had five mentors I had to talk to to get different perspectives. Even when I took my, my latest step back, um, I went to one of my mentors and I said, look, I have two options. I have this option, it's a step back. I have this option, it's not. He said, but this option is not you. But this option is going to take you places. And nobody knows it's a step back. Nobody knows it's a lower salary. Nobody knows anything. They just know it's a cool company. Let's take it and see where, and here I am. Um, so sometimes you just need to go, you need to know where you're going. And not a lot of people reflect. They just want to grow and make more money and get the promotion, move to another company and just go with the flow, pay the bills, live life, chat. Um, so, I feel right. But a lot, really. So, a couple of things. So, my father passed away, I was 20. So, at that period, I decided that, which I decided, I was a DJ and I wanted to build a DJ career, and I told him, you know, I want to become a producer one day, and that's the path I'm taking. It's, um, it doesn't make money now, but it will, and it's my dream. When he passed away, you know, I looked at my sister and my mom, and I knew someone had to pay the bills. So I took my corporate career. And, my, um, and then with time, when I got married, I got married to young, I was 25. Um, no regrets. Um, we got kids, we were 27. Uh, twin girls, Eva and Aya. And then as they grow up, you start reflecting on many things. Uh, number one, um, the world that we're building for Eva and I. So many silly things on how can I play a role as a father and the husband of a working woman to build a safe environment for them. And that starts, gets me thinking a lot about what I do. The healthy lifestyle that I live to show them what a healthy lifestyle looks like. How I treat their mom, how I treat friends, how we go out, the active life that I get them into, get them into a sports routine. I did a podcast called um, Yalla Nashat, um, which was a fitness podcast. I interviewed 18 people, nine in English and nine in Arabic. And I asked them all the same question. I said, so how did you become an athlete? And all of them, no exception. When we were young, my dad and my when we were young, we saw our uncle. When we were young, so I called and I said, we're starting gymnastics on Friday. So they did their gymnastics, now they're doing parkour. So they found their sport at some point in time. So I needed to teach them discipline. And the more you think about it, and then I told you the journey I went to on what am I doing? So health, mental health, physical health, social health, uh, professional health, like how does it all, you need to sit down and really reflect a lot. At the time when I decided to move out from OMD to move to Angami, um, I went to the beach. I sat down and I looked at the sea. I arrived at like 11 a.m. I left at like 4 p.m. But whoever passed by just saw a guy sitting. Like, like, guy, are you tanning? Are you okay? Are you hungry? Is someone coming? Like, I just sat there and I had to think about a lot of stuff because um, I was in a very senior position. I was handling global accounts. 
I was well paid. Um, I had amazing things coming my way. Um, and I decided to leave because I wanted to music, I wanted marketing. And, and moving to a startup is risky. It was a startup in Beirut. So I had to build, the, my position was in Dubai, but my team was in Beirut. Um, and everyone thought, but music companies are losing money worldwide. There's no music company that's profitable. Fast forward, everybody's doing okay now. Um, but in that reflection, and then when I wanted to move into TikTok, everyone said, but isn't music your passion? What do you know about content? How are you going to work in a big organization? There's going to be 3,000 employees. How are you going to stand up? It's like, guys, but I'm in the content business. Like, I want to learn every single brick and everything about the music and music business, talent business, uh, digital business. Like I saw a local app open up from scratch. I, like, I want to see what a global app looks like and how it operates. Um, so at every point, you start looking at, I'm doing great. So what, what, what am I doing? And then you ask yourself, where is this going to take me? And then you sort of build up from there. And in that journey, you start meeting people that have different perspective on life, different values, um, and different ethics, and different mentality, and different thinking way. And you stop thinking of, if, if they th there's a beautiful book called uh, Surrounded by Idiots. Have you read it? It's a beautiful book, and the name sort of doesn't give it away right. But Surrounded by Idiots is a, is a book that talks about five types of people. Like if you study humanity, there are five types of people. Okay, And when, actually four. But if you put them on a grid, when two people sit on different angles of the grid, they start calling each other idiots because they have different values if we are thinking. One of them is very assertive, results-oriented data. The other is very dreamy. Like, so the concept of someone thinking different always puts you in a position where you say, he doesn't know. I'm stupid. Right? Well, it, what life is teaching us is sometimes when you want to build something amazing, you have to get people that compliment you. You're going to need that person that needs to dig into details because you're a big picture person. You're going to need someone who's creative because you're analytical. So that seeing and understanding the context of where that person is coming from is something you only learn when you work in different environments. Marketing is, is an art. It's an art and science, but it's an art. There's lots of creativity, even in numbers and everything. When I fell in love with marketing, my mental progression was I want to become a CMO because you're marketing manager, head of marketing, VP of marketing, chief marketing officer. And then there was, a lot of there was a lot of articles at the time that said the CMO position is dead. It's the chief growth officer now and digital world and all that stuff. So the philosophy of do I still want to be a CMO is, is, is not as literal as it is. But it's more about really celebrating my love for creativity and analytics at the same time. Right? Even in creating content, you're going to have today to read a lot of data to assess potential. And then you're going to have to use your gut to bridge the gap. Because data only tells you what happened. It never really tells you what's going to happen. Right? And even the exercises of forecast, like how many times does the forecast really hit? And on the visionary piece, I think you, 
you can make enough mistakes to assess whether or not your gut feel is in place. No one's a visionary. Like you, you, you should have made a lot of mistakes to build that experience that sharpens your gut in, in, in order to do that. So now when we're sitting and I say, this is, something's going to happen here. No. And then it happens. But because I've seen something similar like this happen before, um, even when we're creating music, I said, you know, this is the vibe that we need for this song. The choir is like, I don't know, the context just feels right. I've seen it happen so many times. Yeah, and I think I owe it to my OMD journey. When you're working as a consultant for, for companies, you get access to a lot of information. Right? So I've seen FMCG models, I've seen retail models, I've seen um, digital companies and apps, I've seen automotive. It just gives you completely different perspectives, but there's always a common bridge somewhere. So, and I got lucky because I worked with a lot of global brands. I worked on McDonald's, I worked on Visa, I worked on General Electric, I worked on Wrigley's, I worked on Kellogg's, um, Peugeot, PepsiCo. Um, so there's a couple of, like, those are monstrous people that are very, very clever at what they do, globally, obviously. Um, so you pick up stuff, and we always had this annual presentation where we came in with big picture, analyze everything, and then sort of break it down. So that trained me a lot in that process. And at some point in time, I had a boss that was super strategic. Like, he wasn't too pleasant to work with, but he was super smart. And I learned a lot of that strategic game from him. And I think that's what got me to become the big picture guy that I am. So three things I love about TikTok. Number one is it's not a social platform. It's a creative platform. It's a hub that's made for creators, for people who have a story or a talent to demonstrate or something to teach. The ability of any woman to make the choices that she wants and access the ambition that she's built for herself in an environment that does not necessarily demand support, so it's not someone enabled, it's something that she needs to be in an environment where she can do it just because she wants to, is what the whole mentality of women empowerment is. It's the mentality of looking at males and females as humans, because um, we've always talked about, um, yeah, we need more females on the team and we need to hire a female for this position. I'm like, that's great. It's part of the correction process, right? But sometimes when, you, when you're when you sitting with someone, pick her, not because you want to fill a female position. Pick her because she knows. Pick her because she's good. Um, and um, all that and the whole mentality of she can and she will and she's, and she's capable, all of that is what this is for me. The whole mentality of equality, but we're not equal. God has not made us equal. Women make babies. We don't. In, in the natural sense of things, um, we need to look at each other as, as humans. Um, and we need to identify what the... Like if I look at my wife, like what do you want? I'll become a successful businesswoman. Like let's make that happen.
what stops you with the therapist? She's, she's, she built herself on her own. I look at my kids, what do you want to be? Like, they don't know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build the foundation that's going to enable them later. Value of time, ident discipline, identifying you know, the right and wrong, uh, knowing what the world is composed of. Right? Um, I think it, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, but it's that acknowledgement of, I don't care about gender. Like, when my father passed away, um, so we were part of the families where my mom and I, my sister, lived in Beirut, and my father lived here in, in Sharjah. And we did that for like 10 years. And we moved it until we finished school. And um, So I didn't see my father much. Like When he came to Beirut, I was busy playing with friends and all that stuff. Um, and then I came to do an internship here. And um, during my internship, I got to know him a little bit more and spend more time with him and steal the car to go to city center. Um, but then one morning, I woke up. He was in the bathroom. Hey, good morning, Dad. And then I washed up. I walked out. He was dead on the couch. So that day um, changed a lot of things for me. It was... Uh, it was, a, it was a massive shock. And it just killed a lot of things in me. It killed emotions. It killed sadness for me. It killed, like, whenever I, I get into a situation, people go, you have no feelings. I said, in August 2002, things changed. Um, but I learned, like, a lot of things kept me going because I believed in humanity. Like, all my families came through and they helped us as we as my sister graduated, as I graduated. Um, and then just life opened up, our careers were like, and then everything was okay. Um, but at some point in time, you know, some, something as heavy as that, and people, not everybody can understand unless they've been through it or not, or maybe, but you, you don't get it until you've been there. So that was one major hit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, what, what I did is, um, I just put all that anger in taking care of the people around me, my mom, my sister, my kids, my nieces, as much as I can, and even people. Like when I sit with someone who, like it's none of my business many times, but I get close to a lot of people just because I want to try and fix things. I want to make them feel better. And so it, it, it got me to put this energy somewhere else. Have I gotten over it? I don't think you can get over something like this. It's very hard. Um, so, but you, you learn how to cope with it. You know, I get my moments where I just drive away and explode and I miss him and all that stuff. I was planning Father's Day for... Uh, for TikTok now, so um, but you know, at some point in time, it th that was a major hit. And then, in many type times in my careers, there's been lowdowns. Like there's been times where, what the hell am I doing here? This is not right. Um, um, I took a I took a pay cut so I can progress in my career, um, but was it worth it? It's not worth it. And then Corona came, and then everybody got a pay cut over the pay cut, and. Uh, and then at some point in time, it just gets to you. Um, but what my father's death taught me is everything's going to be okay. Like, no matter, like, we got very lucky 
that everything was a-okay and how we progressed. Not everybody gets that, gets that journey. But at the end, you just have to believe that everything's going to be okay. And you just push through. But there's a very thin line between I'm unhappy and I'm depressed. Um, unhappy is like, go for a walk and run, you'll be okay. Depressed is, is probably a clinical thing that needs attention. And I think the stigma of seeing someone that makes you, oh, majnoon, like, I think that is something that is that needs to be broken because sometimes you may be depressed but you think you're unhappy and sometimes you think you're unhappy but you're depressed but if you see someone who has the proper like knowledge of how to assess where you are it's extremely important like you go to ER to check why you have a fever go to someone who knows and understands to tell you if there's anything that you need to pay attention to. There's always low times and, and, and everything. You know, when, when I tore the ligament of my knee and I stopped doing sports, when I moved to a job and, got, and, and knowingly accepted a 40% cut because I wanted it to take me somewhere else. Um, when I moved to a startup and I took up my wife and I said, I'm gonna be out of the house you know, six months a year. Um, when, we, when I got twins and I was 27 years old um, and I walked into my GM's office and I sat in front of him and I started crying and he was on a call and he looked at me and he went, uh, Pierre, I'll call you back. Pierre Schwede, who was like the mogul of the media, was talking to the GM of OMD and they were brokering a deal and there goes Rami Zaidan walking in, sitting and crying and saying and getting into that Chandler moment of twins. I got twins. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, who's gonna, who's gonna pay for them? Who's gonna? And then you know, it goes back to everything's gonna be okay. Um, so there's always those moments where you just, you know, my mom, um, she has certain medical conditions like somehow uh, 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 whatever, but overall she's healthy. But some there's stuff that annoy her, and you know, she becomes something that am I gonna wake up tomorrow? Am I gonna call her tomorrow? You know. So there's always, whenever she says, I have a pain, or Marra, she got a heart stroke, she was out of the operation, and she started talking to me like she normally can. I didn't know. She told me like six months later. Um, but it's moments like that that get you to, you know, yeah? um, so, you know, it's, there's always time, there's always tough times. And it's, you know, you have to deal with them, you have to pass through them. Um, if you have a good support system, whether it's a friend or a group of friends or family or, or mentors or whatever it is, you have to seek people. Like you, not all the problems you can resolve on your own, but sometimes when you feel you're out of answers, you probably want to speak to a professional. Um, and I totally believe in it. Someone who can help you structure your thinking to really know what's going on. And it could be that, hey, you know, go to Italy, take a break. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, right? Um, there is therapy in travel. I'm taking care of myself. So uh, one of the good things of being a young father, young in the context of I'll be 50 when they're 21, um, is that I want to celebrate things with them. And to do that, I want to be fit, 
I want to be healthy, um, I want to be active, I want to be knowledgeable. I don't want to be the father that goes uh, online. I'm not an online person. No, no, no. I'm going to stay in the trends. Like we watch, we watch videos that are so cool for the current generation, but that, um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I want to stay curious and interested in everything they're doing. I want to be part of their life. Like that's, that's very important for me right now. And in that journey, if I'm able to sort of take care of myself, I'm literally celebrating everything I'm doing. I'm going to enjoy my career. I'm going to take care of people around me. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy the plan that I've built for myself. So this dream of becoming a CMO one day or whatever, um, I'm far away from the goal yet. And many of my friends are managing directors and chief commercial officers now. But I'm, I'm pacing, but I'm getting where I want to be. And recently, I've learned to accept that. Because at some point in time, you get comparing, right? Um, but at some point, and then you say, but I love what I'm doing. And it's, you know? Uh, so you celebrate the process. Exactly. Um, but you learn it the hard way. Because when you grow fast, in your, in the, when you start your career and you're growing really, really fast, like when I entered media, I got OMD of the year in my first year, the only executive to get that accolade uh, till today. And I got so many accolades in Mina Crystal and Effies. And I was the guy that would go in and take 12 awards at the night when my colleagues would get three and four. And it just gets into your head. And when things slow down, you start doubting yourself and you start comparing yourself and you start, you know, and you want to become the, you know, but I'm the smartest in the room. Well, look at, right? And then you get out of it. Um, with time. Um, but yeah, celebrating the process is very important. And really enjoying, like, I think what Corona taught us is it, it forced us to stay at home. Right? So there are some people who cancel their social life for their work and whatever. Corona forced us to stay at home. So it really taught us the value of life. Right? Um, so when Corona hit, I turned one of the rooms into like a mini studio. I put my DJ kit there. I put my desk for my meetings and all of that stuff. I had the space to, to work out at home. And, and that became my cave. And I started changing. Because you don't know, right? Because you were so... St because you, I could have gone to the gym. I could have worked out. I could have... But now that I'm forced to stay at home, I want to do everything else. And you just discover all of that as you go. So uh, I think then, I think my biggest celebration of myself is what I've done in the past six months in this evolution of self-discovery, like the books, sports, family, travel, like all the stuff, even career, like where I'm going now. Um, when I tell my close people where I'm going, everybody goes, oh, shit, this is it. Like, this is everything you've built for. It's now. And I say, yeah, but this is going to take me, you know? Um, so, but, yeah, so. Yes. I can't wait till I scream what I'm doing. Like, it's, uh, it's a big deal. And what I love about it is, on panels before, 
in Medam and and you know I've always spoken about enabling creativity, enabling creativity. At some point in time, it became just words that come out of my mouth. But what are you doing, Rami, to enable creativity? Like when when I moved to TikTok, um, I started TikTok Creators Academy, and I I now we're launching. 20 courses, 10 in Arabic, 10 in English, that people can access to learn about how to TikTok, the trends on TikTok, what's a meme, what's a vlog, what equipment do you need, how do you do transitions. And then we're localizing uh, 24 tutorials that Global has done. Then I'm going to do a creative certification program. Um, when I was in, um, in Anrami, uh, I hired a very close friend of mine called Big Haas. I convinced the board. I said, guys, I need this guy on the team. I said, why? I said, because he's going to bring us all the local talents, the rising talents. He knows them all. I said, no, but, you know, they don't deliver streams. And we had this discussion. Um, and I said, yes, but they will in three, four years. So we got him in for an annual contract, and um, we started getting them. And then the hip-hop people won't come because we were an Elisa and Nancy Ajaran platform. So I went to him and said, let's create a hip-hop cipher. Who are the top nine, ten hip-hop people around the world who are Arabs. So he did a great job. He got, a, he got DJ Sandhill to create a beat that was a bit fast because you need to be a really skilled rapper to rap on a fast beat. Very old-school sound. We got nine rappers, Iraqi, Syrian, um, Egyptian, Lebanese, uh, like you name it, from all over the world. People based in Holland, people based in Canada, people based in Lebanon, people based in Palestine, people everywhere. Um, and we created the hip-hop cipher. It didn't go viral. But every single hip-hop producer called up and says, respect, we're going to start. Um, and that changed a lot, changed the scene a lot, because they went from being just on video platforms into streaming platforms and just changed their perspective on things. I started Anrami sessions that allowed artists who want to sing outside their comfort zone. So Nasif Zaytun, who is a Dabke singer, sang jazz on Anrami session. So, but I was part of something, like I was always... I was always enabling with my ideas as part of a bigger thing. Where I'm going now is we're going to hopefully change the game and really redefine how people who want to be in the entertainment field can be. We'll talk about it soon. Yeah. Um, if this video is coming after the 1st of August, it's probably going to be public by then. But uh, it's, uh, it's something I'm truly, truly excited about. Yes, I can't wait to talk about it. What life has taught me is three things. Number one is understand your why. And not in a philosophical way of why you exist and what's your role on earth unless you want to go there. But understand your why. Why are you doing what you're doing now? And where do you want to go? And where are you today? And where do you want to be? And how are you going to get there? Um, understanding your why will allow you to start defining perspectives that will allow you to analyze what you're doing. That will allow you to make decisions to say no to things instead of feeling that you're forced to say yes to things. So that will be the first thing. The second thing is believe in your worth. We always hear things online of, you know, 
confidence and sometimes you have to live and believe what you're doing in order for you to keep moving forward because when you're surrounded by friends or family not everybody shares the same interest so when not everybody shares shares the same interest it gets to you so always believe in what you love the third thing is and I learned it the hard way Sometimes doing what you love and loving what you do does not have to be the same thing. You can work in a company from 9 to 5, love what you do, but then you could be a musician and do what you love outside. A lot of people get stuck in the stigma of, I want to do what I love and love what I do because I'm passionate. So here the context of the word passion is different. So in my opinion, doing what Doing what you love and loving what you do could be two different things. And loving what you do could pay the bills and doing what you love could keep you sane. So you know, know your why, always follow through what you believe in and don't get stuck with you know, um, having to be so overwhelmed with what's called passion. Just do what you love and love what you do and decide if they're the same thing or not. Speak louder and remember to exhale.